the question this morning is this for us in the church. Are we attempting to use God to help us change others? Or are we seeking God to transform us first in the midst of others? A kind of we're Christians, we go first. We let God work in our lives. The church can be perceived today as a group that wants to cookie cutter uh, Christian culture on other people and shape folks the way we want them to be shaped. God seeks, however, to transform us right here and right now in front of the whole world. I would suggest our recent history, and I'll come back to this in the last year or so, could be a great illustration of how God works amazing things out of difficult situations that are just on view for everyone to see. And how God wants to do something with that. You see, others that are not sitting here yet, people that have not darkened the door up here in Arnold of a church, could begin to see believers drawn to God saying, Oh Lord, change me first. I'm here. I'm ready. And thus be encouraged to seek transformation themselves because they see something happening in the Holy Church of Jesus. Real people making real changes, saying, God, start with me. So this morning we're going to look at the gifts, there's quite a few of them, the, the gifts that encourage and, and, and make that happen. So as I, as I said earlier, if you want the, all of the ten truths from the Bible on the Holy Spirit, that's on the, the, the back uh, at the 40-day uh, of, of prayer uh, section over there. But, but questions or, or truths seven and eight are this. The gifts I am given are permanent. The gifting we are given is permanent, okay? God intends for us to have gifts of the Spirit that just sit within us. They are permanent. But it's been really great to have interaction with, with several of you after services the last four or five, four weeks. We've got to also remember that this permanence doesn't mean that God is somehow fixed with one response, right? So while our gifting is permanent, sometimes our big God will lay a gift on you for a moment, right then and there. And it'll just happen. And you, it might surprise you. And yet something moves. Something is healed. Something changes or is transformed. Someone grows because of that. So while that gifting is permanent in us, God is able to make application of all the gifts in our lives at differing times for His glory and His goodwill. We just want to hold on to that and, and keep that in mind. And then uh, truth uh, number eight is I am to develop the gifts that God gives me. You can see that in 1 Timothy 4.14 and the, the permanence of the gifts in Romans 11. How do you develop your gift? Well, first you have to identify it. We've been uh, talking about this, uh, this study book that's also back there. gives you an opportunity to read all the scriptures about all the gifts in the New Testament. 
gives you an opportunity to look at those in their, in their context of Scripture, and then an opportunity to do some assessment, to ask some questions. What pops up in my life? And I saw a number of you grab these last week. And so, number one is to identify the gifts. Number two is to experiment with your gift. Um, you'll hear me say this a lot. Uh, God, doesn't, God doesn't move a parked car. We have to get our lives out into the traffic of, of where God is moving and just see how these gifts work in our lives. And, um, and then apply it. Step up in faith. Uh, it, will, it will be a faith move. Well, maybe I'm not practiced enough in my gift yet. Uh, the only way to get there is to get out there and, and to use that. And so I would just encourage, encourage that. The question this morning that we ask about all the gifts in our lives and the fruit in our life is this, am I ready? Some of us are ready. Some of us are getting ready and some of us want to be ready. But here's the thing, God's only using the ones who are ready. And sometimes we, we, got, a, we got a foot on the gas and the brake at the same time. It, it doesn't drive well that way. But what we're attempting to do this morning is to move that along. And so we're going to look at a number of gifts this morning that, uh, and their companion fruits that encourage. Okay? So, um, and and we've, already, we've already been encouraged this morning by those gifts. The, the first on my list is the, the gift of music and its use in worship. The ability to celebrate God's presence through music, either vocally or instrumentally, and to lead the church family worship. Huge, huge gift. A huge place of encouragement. There is something about music. There is something about the hope of melody and, and the working together of harmony that, that creates a, a, a beautiful word picture of the gifts of encouragement that bring people out. Also, the gifts of art and craft, the ability to build or maintain a beautiful space of worship for the glory of God, the ability to express worship through a variety of art forms. There is something as well about nature and color and um, the ability to do architecture and to, to do crafting and painting, stained glass windows, you name it, that encourage people, that draw people into worship and, and, and bring their hearts along. The gift of leadership. The gift of leadership is the special ability that God gives certain members of the body to lead in accordance with God's will for, for them and for their future. To communicate that direction to others that they may voluntarily and harmoniously work together to move in that direction for God's glory. Leaders have a way of blazing a trail, of, of casting a vision that people will follow and work diligently in. And that comes not because they're brilliant people necessarily. It comes because God has placed that gift before them. There's also a gift of encouragement. It's the gift of administration. The gift of administration in the Bible is a special ability that God gives certain members of the body of Christ to understand clearly and immediately the long-range goals. How are we, how we going to get to that place that the leader is taking us to? 
What has to be built into that? To bring about the body of Christ, to execute the plan, and to accomplish those goals. There are those among us who are sitting here right now that have the ability to get us there, to get us to a certain place. Uh, we, we may hear the direction from a leader, but there are, there are people who can put that into bite-sized pieces for us. I was, I was asked one time, I was interviewing for a, a church job and I was uh, a, a church call and I was driving around the community with one of the people from that community and he, the guy driving me didn't know me very well. I said, Pastor, how do you, uh, how do you eat an elephant? I thought, wow, this is kind of a strange pre-interview question, right? How do you, I go, I, I don't know, Bill, how do you eat an elephant? He goes, one bite at a time. Guy had the gift of administration. How are you going to get there? There's got to be a step one, right? In order for there to be a step 15 or 16 down the road. The gift of miracles, healing, exorcism, especially the power over the manifestation of evil are special abilities that God gives certain people in the body to serve as human intermediaries through whom it pleases God to perform powerful spiritual acts for God's glory. So the miracles, the spiritual warfare of, of uh, fighting evil, exorcism, and healing are all ways in which God gives some of that amazing kind of Jesus power to, a, to given individuals. And they use that for God's glory. And there's a kind of an awe. We're struck by God has entered the room. We're not struck by the healer or the exorcist. They disappear. God is magnified when these people show up. And, and the, the final gift this morning that we're going to look at that is, that is also kind of, it, it works with, with the, the miracles, is the gift of martyr. Uh, martyr literally means witness in the New Testament. The ability to witness and testify to God's presence, especially, uh, we, we all do this when it's easy, right? But especially in difficult or dangerous places and situations, and even to share their testimony unto death. We've been encouraged in these latter days where we see the church flourishing in, in places where, where the church is hugely persecuted. In fact, the missionologists are telling us now today that the outbreak of the Holy Church of Jesus is manifested mostly now in the world where there is a huge threat to be a Christian. In the places where the church is heavily persecuted. This gift of martyr allows for this ability and, and these miracles to, to just manifest in ways that draw people into the holy hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the companioning fruits, uh, fruit that is there for us, is peace and goodness. Let me, let me read again the fruits of the Spirit out of Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And, and I just 
got a comment. I love this line. Against such things, there is no law. There is, there's no legal binding against when these things are released. And remember, the fruit of the Spirit, all of those uh, fruits that we have listed, are a, a way in which the gifts are magnified. Uh, just a couple verses from, from uh, Romans 12 and 14. Listen to these, please. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with someone. <laughs> live at peace with everyone. Wow. What, what, what a, that's a, you put the emphasis on the right syllable and it changes everything. Verse 19 of Romans 14. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. You see, peace is a kind of encouragement that comes in the form of calming and assurance. When peace is in the room, and we're going to come back to this because it's also in our Colossians uh, verse. When peace is in the room, things change. I, I love the very end of uh, John's Gospel. Uh, Jesus has just gone through a terrible time, a tremendous ordeal. He's, he's been crucified before all of the disciples and, um, and, and has been buried and dead three days. Some of the disciples have been walking around saying, we don't know where Jesus is. We don't know what's going on. And this little story out of John, uh, the, John's Gospel, uh, chapter 20, it is amazing. On the evening of the first day of the week, that would be the evening of Jesus' resurrection, when the disciples were together with doors locked for fears of the Jews. So they, they've gathered, probably in the upper room. The place is locked up. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After this, he showed them his hands, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father had sent me, I have sent you. In other words, peace, I'm here, but peace in your hearts. What you saw them do to me, I'm sending you to go do the same thing. Oh, the Father sent me to my death and resurrection. Peace. Extraordinary things you and I can do in the church and in the world if we know Peace. We will be encouraged to do that counterintuitive thing, even against our own common sense and safety and security. The other fruit is goodness. From Ephesians 5, it says, For you were once in darkness, but now you are in the light of the Lord. Live as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Find out what pleases the Lord. You see, in the light of encouragement is goodness. If we need to, and I'm suggesting we are, if we are needing to be encouraged, to be bold for God in our day, in our community, in this place, as the Holy Church of Jesus, if we are to be so bold, we need to be encouraged that our boldness, even though it may hurt us, 
our boldness is for the glory of God and God's goodness in us. And that it will result in goodness even if circumstances don't go well for me. This is a really, really difficult lesson for us who live in the affluent, self-sufficient world uh, that we live in. Because it's real hard for us to, to, to see ourselves in, in that kind of place. But especially in the most difficult places, when we realize that good is going to come from my sacrifice, good is going to come from my inconvenience. Good is going to happen when I put myself out there. My good God goes with me. And will fill in the gaps. Peace and goodness are attractive encouragements to the difficult ministries that lie before us. And they're also good to have just to, to be in our lives and to be with us. So now we're at that uh, Colossians verse. And uh, we've, we've, we've uh, heard, heard a little bit of it and, and we, we get a little bit more of it now. The word of encouragement in the body of Christ will release four important things for us. The first is peace. It will release peace of, the peace of Christ to rule in our hearts. He says in verse 15 of Colossians 3, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since the members of the body you were called to peace and be thankful. When we become encouragers, when we use our gifts in general but become encouragers specifically, Christ's peace will begin to rule in our hearts. When His peace rules in our hearts, we learn a number of things really quick. When we are at peace, we begin to trust, we begin to obey, we remain faithful, we go when God says go, we stop when God says stop. We, we, when, when, when God's peace is at the ascendance of our heart, we can listen to God's instructions, even though they might not fit our list of common sense. They may be counterintuitive to where we're going. Because peace has been released. If peace does not rule in our hearts, we become resistant, defiant, self-seeking. We may get people to work around us, but we may have to be manipulative or coercive. Because we don't have that peace in Christ will also release the Word of God to be dwelling richly among us. Verse 16, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. You see, if we seek to understand, not just understand, but if we seek to understand and obey God's Word, then, and, and that becomes released into our hearts. We become people who are not only encouraged by God's Word, but God's Word begins to encourage others around us, whether we teach them a little lesson or not. They may just kind of come up to you someday after work and say, 
What is it about you? Well, I was reading in God's Word today. Or I was trusting in God for something today, and this is what happened. You see, encouragement is released when we are in the Word. And, and I love the word, by the way, dwell. It's something we talked about when, when I first got here last fall. The word dwell means not to just kind of read the Bible occasionally or when you have time. The word dwell means to soak in the Word of God. To be saturated by God's Word. Do you want to be encouraged? Do you want to be encouraging? Do you want to see peace and the Word released from your life? Then dwell in the Word. The fourth out of verse 16, as we continue to read, is that Christ will release a worship of gratitude in our hearts towards God. And as you sing hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. You see, worship is the exaltation of God. Not the enjoyment of our worship preference. You get that? There's something about worship that we all like, and we like styles of worship, we like songs of worship, we like modes of worship. And, and this verse is trying to help us to, to, to keep the point on the point. That worship exalts God. It doesn't exalt my, my preference. And when God is exalted, we become grace, grateful, generous, we, we, uh, we sense the abundance of God and we as people become inviting and attractive to those who do not know Jesus. There are people that desperately need to know Christ and they do a good job of refusing Him at every corner. But when the good people of God worship, dwell in the Word, are filled with peace, then all of a sudden there's this, there's this sense that of, of something that comes. I would encourage you too that worship is, is, um, is something that includes people. It draws people. And, and so we want to be a people of God uh, in this very place that makes room for people to come and be with us, that draws people into our lives and into our hearts. Verse 17 then is the final one. So there's peace, the word, worship. Christ will release a ministry of being and doing in the name of Jesus. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus, giving thanks to the God, the Father, through Him, which is Jesus Christ. You see, Christ wants to release ministry of being and doing in Jesus' name. I believe that what this scripture is saying is that our lives are also part of the message that we speak. If we look at our, our, uh, our question from last week and understand that sometimes content in our message is, is far, uh, uh, far less than our 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 language, our, our body life, uh, or our uh, unspoken language. And if we see that, then we know here too as well that our lives speak louder than our words. 
Our lives speak louder than our theology. Our our lives speak louder than our convictions. Our ministry, the gifts and fruit of the Spirit are our lives. They are the God-breathed, birthed in us, calling card to everyone we could possibly meet. Christian and non-Christian alike. And so therefore, we are called upon. We are compelled to have this life and live it before others. Let me ask you a couple questions in terms of application this morning. Do you see yourself as an encourager or as an encouraging person? Then some of these gifts may be your gifts. Second question I'd I'd have you think about, maybe sometime this afternoon or throughout the week, who do you go to for encouragement? What kind of person are they? What do you see in their lives as an encouraging person, as they encourage you? Then, Then finally, this question. Who has told you that you have encouraged them? Think about times in which you have been in encouragement encouragement to someone else and and try to think about why that was or find that person and ask them that question you see biblical encouragement is based on the lordship of Jesus Christ who is in control of all things and seeks our good in all things I think it's more than possible and, 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 and likely very probable that the most difficult things that this congregation has gone through in the last year, year and a half, two years, could be an obstacle whose intent is an opportunity. That if the greater church of Arnold and people who are not in the church begin to see the rebirthing of this chapel family and its transformation. They will know for sure that we are not just another self-help, do-it-yourself group. But that God has come alongside our pain and our difficulty and and things that have and haven't worked. And, And God has emerged in such a way that we have become a changed people. Um a true story. That, that maybe provides an illustration for you. It, it did for me. When they were building the Chase Manhattan Bank building, which happens to be a 60-story building, massive skyscraper in Manhattan, they ran into a problem. They got about halfway up, and they realized that they were, they were building, you know, Manhattan's kind of this, you know, it's, there's a lot of water in and around it. And what they thought they were building on solid ground was not built on solid ground, and the thing started leaning. And you're about 30 floors up. There's a couple of things you got to think about. Either this thing isn't going to stand up or it's going to crash into another building. We're going to have to come up with something. 
And so as they were thinking about all the fixes, you know, tear it down, start over, and just kind of watching this leaning tower of Pisa in Midtown Manhattan, you know, just kind of sit there. There was a guy on the architect's um, team that was fairly new. He was actually a chemist uh, fresh in from college. And he had this idea. He said, what if we sank huge pipes underneath the building as far as we could get them? And then we released into those perforated pipes a solution of uh, sodium silicate and calcium chloride. They're all kind of scratching their heads as they're watching this guy. Into those pipes and fill them up and just fill them up every day till they, they can't be filled up anymore. Let's see what happens. Right, kid. You know, sure. But, you know, that was actually the cheapest thing they could have done. Within about two days, turn the whole thing to hard rock. Just, just, just nailed it. The bank's still there. I mean... They tried to get rid of it a few years ago and all the bank problems, but it's still there. The building's there. Jesus seeks to inject into us the gifts and the fruits of the Spirit as we walk around in a quicksand world. He wants to make us rock solid like Jesus was the solid rock. And He wants us to be in this quicksand world and abandon our securities and our common sense at times and our fears and be firm in Christ so that others can come alongside and grab that firmness see new life in Christ in a church that's rebirthing itself. Are we solid in the peace that rules in our hearts? Are we solid with the Word of God? Are we solid as we worship one God? Are we solid in our ministry and our resolve to do the things that God would ask us to.